Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello, everyone. I hope this podcast finds you in the middle of a glorious day. Today, we are wrapping up Mark. Who thought we would ever get this far? We are going to wrap it up today with some a few comments and even more challenges and more homework. You're welcome right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Okay, we are back to wrap up, Mark, and I hope and pray that this has been the blessing to you that it's been to me. I I truly love studying God's Word, and I love sharing it with you. I will confess openly that I wish I was sharing it with you face-to-face. It is a challenge for me to do it on this medium Even though I do see that it can be valuable, I would love to be able to see the light of your eyes and the smile on your face as you take hold of these truths, as you discover the goodness of God, as you discover the person of Jesus Christ, as you watch these different characters come to life and you relate to them and you see yourself in these passages of scripture. That is my heart's desire that that's been your experience, even though I haven't seen it. So I do pray that this has been a blessing for you. It's been a tremendous blessing for me. In this recap today, I have pages and pages. I have two full notebooks of notes And with arrows and scribbles and circles and underlines and stars and all of that stuff that I love, I've got my worn Bible, my favorite that needs to be rebound, and I just keep putting off, sending it in to be rebound, and I really need to do that. I've got my outline notes, 
There's so much here that I want to look at as the recap. And I just want to say, if this is your first time to tune in, welcome. And what I'm going to do today is sort of try to conclude our study, our walk through Mark that we've done over the last several weeks. And if this is your first tune in, you might want to go back and pick that up. So I'm going to give you the concluding remarks and hopefully it will indeed inspire you to go deeper. So lots of things I want to review. And for those of you who've walked with us through the whole thing, congratulations. You'll remember that one of the main reasons I decided to study the book of Mark was because before this, we did a study on the life of the Apostle Peter. And we talked about Peter and his story arc as a point of true encouragement to us personally and also often to me to see in the life of my children that their story isn't finished yet. And we see that in the life of Peter. You know, we have this snapshot of him in Scripture. We don't know his life before meeting Christ. But even in what we do have in Holy Scripture, I see five points in Peter's story arc. So when we meet him, he's curious. He advances to downright cocky. I mean, he really thinks he knows who Jesus is, what's going down, and what he's a part of. And we see evidences of that. Then he is just confused. I mean, beyond words, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not what I thought this was. And now I'm not sure you are who you said you were. What is going on here? And then we see Peter changed. He's not the man that we met originally. He's not merely curious. And he's no longer cocky. He's changed. And then finally, on the day of Pentecost, and I would suggest further through the rest of the book of Acts and into First and Second Peter, we see a confident Peter. And so if that's of interest to you, if you maybe can pinpoint where you are somewhere on that arc of your life story, you know, are you just stepping in to maybe listening to a few podcasts, maybe opening the pages of scripture because you're curious about what this is? Maybe you're at one of those points in your life where you got to have something. You've, you've tried to build your life on everything else, and maybe, maybe it is God. Um, that curious place is a great place to start. That's where we meet Peter. Perhaps you're at a place in your life where you think you've just got it all figured out. And you've just gotten cocky about who Christ is and what he's done for you. I would humbly suggest to you that that is not a great place to stay. And I would suggest to you that that's not a place he wants you to stay. So that would be worth contemplating and considering and facing. Next, we have him as confused. And maybe that's how you're coming to scripture. Maybe that's how you're coming to God. You're just really confused. Your life is not what you signed up for. This is not how you thought it was going to go. This is not how you hoped it would go. This is not how you planned it would go. This is not how you anticipated. You're in the middle of crises. You're in the middle of changes that you can't fix and you can't run away from. I get it. And I have been there, am there. And life can sometimes just be a swirl. And so, again, I would invite you to face wherever you are. And if it's in that confused place, welcome, because God's word is not a word of chaos, but a a word of 
of calm and peace, and you can find rest for your souls as you lean into God. And we see that in Peter. I really believe that God's plan for all of us, no matter where we begin in any one of those three places aforementioned, or um, any other, you may say, none of those are me. I'm somewhere else. Great. Just know where you are, right? Identify it. Ask God to show you where you are in your journey. Because I believe ultimately, and I believe scripture speaks to this, ultimately, it is his desire for us that we're changed, that we are transformed into the likeness of his son. And the point at which we realize that we are in a place of change and transformation, man, I really believe that that's where God wants us to stay. And it's a hard place to stay because it's a hard place. The place of transformation is a place of refinement. The place of transformation is a place where the hammer and the anvil are pounding, right? We're being refined. All of that dross is being burned away. The chisel is slamming on us, trying to break off those parts that are not Christ-like in our lives. And yet, and yet, I would suggest boldly, that that's exactly it's exactly he, where he wants us to stay and we see that in the life of Peter as he is changed he is a different man in acts 2 than he is at the beginning of the book of mark and that's that's what we ought to aspire to and submit to and surrender to is the power of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, souls, and minds, and our attitudes and our thoughts and our actions, that we would lean into that transformational power, that we would allow him to remake and mold us into the image of his son. But that's never painless. It's never painless. And I have prayed for years that I would be all that God has planned for me to be. I have prayed That my children would be all that God has planned for them to be. And yet, when I see God moving most, it's amidst pain and trials and challenges and difficulties. I wish, I, I wish there was an easier way and there's not. And so it's really about surrender and submission to that method that we would be changed into his likeness because it is through that change that we get the confidence that we get only through Christ. See, when we are cocky, it's because of what we can do. It's built upon ourselves, our own selfish motives, our own selfish ambition, our own selfish ability, all of those things that we do to make ourselves look better and stand out and succeed, all of those things, that makes us cocky. And that's not God's will for our lives, for any of our lives. And But it is his will that we would be confident in who he is. Not who we are, perhaps who we're becoming because of him, but our confidence ought be squarely built on who he is, what he's done and what he is doing and what he will do. That's where our confidence lies, not in ourselves, because we are sinners and we are given to selfishness and we are given to self-indulgence and self-centeredness. And yet we have an opportunity to walk in the spirit, to walk in the light 
and to build our confidence on who God is and his plan for our lives. And so it was with and through that whole study of Peter that I decided, you know, I don't really want to leave Peter just yet. And so what can we do if we're not going to leave Peter? Let's study the book of Mark. So if you're just joining us, you're thinking to yourself, what is the connection um, between Peter and Mark? Well, great question. I'm glad you asked. Peter is actually the voice behind Mark. Mark, John Mark, actually, is the scribe for Peter. And I'm just going to say that that information alone changes how you read the Gospel of Mark. So just a couple of things. Again, we spent weeks and weeks and weeks in Mark, so you can go back and pick up on this. We know that Peter was persistently speaking before he thought, right? Often in the scriptures, and we looked at this in the study of Peter, he was saying things before he was thinking. He tended to be very rash and very passionate. And we see that amped up speed of things. We see that almost rush throughout the book, the Gospel of Mark. And if you get that Peter's the voice behind it, the fact that the word immediately is in the Gospel of Mark 42 times makes so much more sense because that's who Peter was. Everything was happening immediately to Peter. He was just wired that way. And if you're a mom today and you're listening into this and you've got that kid, right, that's wired that way, I just want to say as, as just a, a little a, a little thing for you to consider, that your kid who's wired that way isn't miswired, just like Peter wasn't miswired. This is how God made him for his glory. And if you dare to continue to read about Peter's ministry throughout the book of Acts, you see God use that. And so if you've got a kid wired like Peter, or maybe you're wired like Peter, very rash, that passion that God has given you, he intends to use for his glory and his perfect. But that means that we allow it to be transformed, right? Such that that rash passion is a glory to him. And we don't use it as a weapon against other people. And, And we literally see that in the life of Peter. So again, Mark, the gospel of Mark is, written by the scribe John Mark, but it's the voice of Peter immediately 42 times in the passage. We see that Jesus in the gospel of Mark is this action-oriented servant of God. It's Jesus on the move. And that is what one of the things that we focused on. And as we're wrapping up, I want you to go back through your notes. If you went over to rachelcarmen.com and downloaded those study guides and have, have done those through the time, if you haven't, it's not too late, right? You could use those study guides to do this as a family Bible study or maybe with some friends. But one of the things that we talked about each episode at the very beginning was all of the action verbs associated with what Jesus did when he was here. And it was really quite astounding to see just how action-oriented Jesus was. And so I'm looking at my notebook and just thumbing through all of the different verbs associated with Christ. I mean, he said things, he wondered, he summoned, he gave, he instructed, he questioned, he foretold, he rebuked, he taught, he answered, he saw. Remember we talked about Jesus seeing someone and how powerful that is. And I would suggest to you as as another aside, it's very easy for us to look but not see, especially in our busyness, Whether it's our husband or our children or our friends or our neighbors, it's easy for us to look but not see. 
And so it, it might be interesting for you to go back and study through the book of Mark and maybe the other gospels and just look at what, what about the instances in which it says Jesus saw or he looked or he could see because Jesus didn't see over somebody. He, he saw into somebody, right? He looked into their eyes and he really saw them. It also, other verbs associated with Jesus, he searched, he entered, he drove out, he taught, he responded, he explained, he recognized, he watched, he highlighted. Again, I'm just going back through my notes. Let's see. He defended, he prophesied, he arrived, he reclined, he foretold, he cried out. This is him on the cross. He groaned. And it's interesting to me the interaction with Pilate, there came a point where Jesus was just simply silent. So, you know, it's powerful. We don't serve a passive Savior, Redeemer. We serve one who not only put on human flesh and walked the planet, but was very active when he was here. And I would suggest to you that he, being our example, we too need to be active. We need to be engaged in the lives of those immediately around us, mom, husband, children, neighbors, friends. We need to be engaged in our communities. We need to be active and we need to look no further than to the life of Christ, his example, and see what are the things about which we should be engaged. I'll be right back to continue this wrap up right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Okay, so not only did we look at the actions of the Christ, and that would be a great thing for you to to list, but we also talked about where did Jesus, how did Jesus meet up with people? Because there were instances wherein people came to him. And I would suggest that we probably pretty much expected that. You'll remember in our study early on, the four friends, four nameless friends, that's another thread that went through the entire gospel. And I told you how fascinating it is to me that knowing that scripture is inspired, right? So it says that holy men wrote as they were led, right? So this wasn't just 
people writing down what happened. These were inspired writing downs, right? These men were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down the scriptures. And so knowing that the word of God is inspired and yet some people go unnamed, that's fascinating to me because I I feel like that's not accidental. And so again, just to remind you my personal consideration of that fact that scripture's inspired and yet some names are left out. I wonder if it's not an opportunity for your name here for us to consider the stories wherein there's a major player that is not named for us to consider how would we be in that position? How would we be in that instant, that situation, that moment for us just to consider, right? Because the, the, The Word of God is here for us to consider and to study so that we can learn more about God, so that we can learn more what it looks like to live as God's children and to emulate the life of Christ. And to how do we share that with other people, right? One of the stories that we studied in the book of Mark were of these four friends who go unnamed, who bring a friend who goes unnamed on a pallet. And finding the space where Jesus was so crowded, they literally take apart the roof of the building so that they can lower their friend into Jesus. And we talked about that, the power of that. Who, who do you know? Who do you know, listener, who so desperately needs Jesus that you would find three other people to come and go with you, to take that person and to do whatever it takes, even if whatever it takes means taking apart the roof, to get them to Jesus. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. And so we talked about it, and that's just one example in the whole Gospel of Mark, one example of people who came to Jesus. We also had the rich young ruler who came, and we talked about how he ran. He ran. He He obviously had been seeking out Jesus, right? Because he would have had to have known who to run to. So he he sees him and he runs to him. And what's the next thing he does? He kneels down. And then he asks him something. Powerful. Powerful. So there were people throughout the narrative of Mark and all the other gospels that came to Jesus. But there were also people that Jesus met right where they were. People that that didn't seek him out. People that didn't know who he was. But people who he knew who they were. He knew what their need was. People that he knew needed him to go to where they were. Because they weren't going to come to him. It's powerful. It's powerful. And I would ask you, where are you? Are, Are you one seeking him? You really want to come to him. You get who he is. How would you come? Would you, would you come timidly? Would you come confidently? Would you come through a roof? Would you come and run and kneel? How would you come? And and in every instance, we see Jesus meeting that person exactly where they were. Remarkable. Remarkable. And I would suggest to you, listener, wherever you are, however you come, he does meet you exactly where you are. I don't don't know what image you have of God or of his son, Jesus, but you need to know he meets you exactly where you are. 
exactly where you are. We have the examples also of the feeding of the 5,000. You know, the crowd is gathered and Jesus teaches. And yet we saw that he looked and he saw they, they, they need more than my teaching. They're, they're hungry and they're tired and they've been here a while. And there's nowhere for them to get any food. There's no, this is before Chick-fil-A. There's, there's nowhere for these people to go. And, and what you need to see is he saw their need for him. He saw their physical need. This is Jesus in the flesh, Jesus incarnate. He got their hunger, right? He got their very real physical need and he met it. And and that's what I mean, mom, listener, wherever you are today, he knows your need and he meets you right there in it. But I'd like to further suggest the acknowledgement of your need is a thing. And that, and that's very counterculture to how we live in America, in the United States, is we don't want to acknowledge we have a need. That, that's, that's scary that I would need someone else to do anything for me, to help me in any way. I've, I've, I've got it, right? I've got it. Even today, so I, I'm going to make this example because I think this this is pertinent. Even today, so I host a mom's group at my house here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it is a blessing to me beyond words. I am so grateful for these moms who come to my house about twice a month. I'm so grateful to listen to their stories and their struggles, to pray with them, to share a meal with them. It it just, it's a grace upon my life, and I am so grateful And that's tonight. Well, it's been kind of crazy at our house. We've been sick and we've had a lot of stuff going on. And I am looking downstairs at my dining room going, I am, I'm really not ready for tonight. And so we were texting back and forth about the meeting tonight. And one of the moms volunteered and said, could I bring the soup tonight? And I'm just going to tell you everything in me wanted to say no. Everything in me wanted to say, no, 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 I've got it. I don't know how I'm going to get that done, but I've got it. I don't need anybody to help me. I've got it. And and that's what we all do in this culture. And yet, you know what? I don't got it today. And I texted her back and I said, that would be such a blessing. Look, you and I need help. And God in his goodness has given us each other as that help. But we've got to acknowledge our need. And we've got to welcome the help of others. That, that's what it's all about. That's what community is about. That's what family is about. That's what marriage is about. That's what parenting is about. It's about realizing that we need each other. And Jesus came. And I believe that's one of the things that his ministry highlighted is that we need each other. We need him desperately. We need him desperately. And we don't want to need anything desperately, but we need him desperately. And you know what's glorious is about how he provides for our desperate need through others over and over and over. So just one example of that in the feeding of the 5,000, right? It is Jesus who takes the loaves and the fishes and takes, breaks, blesses, and then feeds the masses. But if you'll notice, the way he feeds the masses is 
through the disciples. Scripture tells us very clearly, don't miss this, right? That he gave it to his disciples and his disciples gave it to the people. Yeah, let that sit on you for a minute. How did Jesus meet their need? He met their need through the disciples. How does Jesus meet your need and my need? He meets it through each other. Through each other. And that means so often that we need to be attentive to needs that we know, right? And do what you know. I I get asking, what can I do? Is there anything I can do? But there's also something that says, I know what needs to be done, right? I can go to God and ask God, what does this family need? I can, I can ask them what they need, but you know what? Too often you and I know what they need, but we don't act because they don't tell. And so we say, what? What? They didn't mention anything. Too often we know what they need and we need to do what we know. And the example of the feeding of the 5,000 is just so powerful to me. You and I, our needs get met through each other. That's what community is about. That's what family's about. And, and that means we allow our needs to be known. And that means that we, we dare to serve each other when it's not convenient. Because here's the deal. Service is never convenient. Ministry is never convenient. Ever, 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 ever. Someone never needs a meal when I've got an extra casserole. And no, I don't even have what I need to make the casserole at my house. Somebody needs a casserole when I don't know what I'm having for dinner, right? And yet that's what a family does, is a family meets a need. So I don't know how I got caught on chasing that squirrel, but there you go. Jesus gave us the example of meeting needs by meeting them through the disciples, and we and we need to do that. So... Uh, We've talked about how people came to Jesus. We've talked about the actions of Jesus. We've talked about how how we meet each other's needs through each other. The other thing I wanted to, to mention to you is another thing that you can go back and study through the Gospel of Mark or any of the Gospels actually is how do people respond to Christ? That's powerful. Some people were astonished. Some people were amazed. Some people believed. Some people asked that he would give them more faith. Some people doubted. Some people rejected. Some people actually asked him to leave. I mean, seriously. Some people maligned. Some people sought ways, the religious leaders, interestingly enough, sought ways to do him harm. Notably, Judas betrayed. Peter denied. How do you respond to Jesus? What's your response to Jesus, to his good news? What's your response? What say ye? Because that's what matters. That's what matters. How do you respond to Jesus and his teaching? He asked a lot of questions. We, if you remember, adopted an outline as we went through this. I I took it from talk through the Bible. Um, I had to adopt somebody's outline. I, of course, I could have made my own, but this decision to go through Mark was sort of a last-minute decision for my podcast this year. And so I adopted talk through the Bible's outline. So it was a study of the book of Mark in five parts, the presentation of the servant, the opposition of the servant, the instruction of the servant, the rejection of the servant, and the resurrection of the servant. That was our five points. 
And as we went through that, not only did we see Jesus on the move, but we also heard what he was saying. And he said some quite remarkable things that are worth repeating. He said, follow me. He said, stand and stretch out your hand. Listen to this. Your faith has made you well. Come away with me, he said. Listen to me. He said that more than once. Do you, uh, uh, sorry, the other one he said to Peter, and this was a pivotal point in Peter and also in our study of the book of Mark, who do you say that I am? And perhaps that would be the overarching theme question of the entire book. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say I am? He says to Peter. Crucial moment. It's a, it's a question that echoes across time. Who do you say I am? Continuing on to the other things that Jesus said that we highlighted. All things are possible to him who believes. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And I would ask you, what do you want him to do for you? What is it that you're upset about, dare I ask, that he hasn't done for you? that you need him to do for you, because I would boldly suggest to you he has done the most important thing that you've ever needed done, and that is die on the cross of Calvary. That is your most important need is forgiveness of your sin, cleansing you from all unrighteousness, the perfect Lamb of God blood shed on Calvary's cross. That is your greatest need, and it's done. It is finished. Worst moment in history, best news of all time. The wrath of God satiated by the blood of the cross. And yet, and yet it didn't end there. Resurrection on the third day. And yet, some of us hold a grudge against the Almighty because he hasn't done X, Y, or Z for us. And I would suggest to you it's because we have forgotten what he has done for us at Calvary and at the empty tomb. We have the hope of heaven. We have the hope, the confidence of his return, the security, the assurance of where we will spend eternity. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. And yet... Some of us hold him hostage to not having done something else, something of far lesser value, something we're mad at him about, something we're blaming him for. It's time for us to be honest. What is it exactly besides Calvary that you want him to do for you? Fix it? He, he fixed it on Calvary. But we live in a broken world. It's not going to be perfect here. He invites us into a relationship to be reconciled to God the Father and to himself. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of himself, so that we can walk forward. But it doesn't mean that everything's perfect here. It's not. It's not. But we can lean into him. We can rest in him. And we can live as we ought, holding on to the hope that he's given us. You're right, things are broken here. Things are hard here. But God is our hope and our assurance. 
And we can worship him for who he is and honor him in word and deed. Continuing on, then in part four, he says, have faith in God. Of all the things we could put our faith in, Jesus admonishes us, have faith in God, not our finances, not our government, not our positions, not our possessions, but in God. We need to make sure we have our faith in God. Then in the garden, you'll remember he instructed his disciples, keep alert, keep watch. You and I need to keep alert. We need to keep watch. We need to be, in the words of Moses in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, we need to make sure we are paying attention to what's going on around us. Then in Mark 15, like I mentioned earlier, he was just silent. As a fulfillment of Isaiah 53, as a lamb is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. There came a point in the life of Jesus, there just really wasn't anything else to say. Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, it is as you say. And then he didn't say anything else. What else was there to say? Yes, there are the seven sayings from the cross, and that will be further homework. You can go back and look those all up. No one gospel has all seven. So there's a a, a great fact for you to know. But he did say seven things from the cross, but there came a point with his accusers, there just there wasn't anything else to say. There wasn't anything else to say. But then part five, Mark 16, what does Jesus say? It's the Great Commission. He says, go. And you and I are admonished to go. And my understanding is a more accurate translation in the English from the original language would be as you go. As you go, as, as you step out into your life today, as you step into today, a, a new life, or maybe after listening to this podcast, you step out of your car, or maybe your front door, or maybe it's time for the kids to get up from their nap. Whatever it is you're about to step into after this, as you go, right? Tell people about me. You and I have an opportunity every day to testify and to witness to who Jesus is. Every day. And the same Peter that dictated this gospel of Mark wrote first and second Peter, right? And what does he say? Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. As we go, we're to be prepared to answer for the hope that lies within us. So we've got this hope, right? And we've got this light, right? We're walking in the light as he is in the light. And we're living differently than the world, And I'm just going to tell you, people are going to notice that. And Peter's whole thing is people are going to notice. And when they notice, you need to be prepared to answer for it. In big and small ways. Sometimes it's going to be a small way. Sometimes it's going to be an act of kindness. Sometimes it's going to be in a huge way. It's going to be a conversation. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you. Let let me tell you what he's done. And not just for me, but for you. Let me tell you. That is the point. That's the admonition at the end of the book of Mark. It has been a pleasure to walk through Mark with you. I would challenge you to go back, study Peter, study Mark, and and do more than that. Don't keep this to yourself. Share it with someone else. Dare to go and tell what you've learned. Roll it forward. Share it with someone else. And I will see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. What happens when a writer and former history teacher goes toe-to-toe with his best friend, a nationally touring stand-up comedian? Total carnage, that's what. Two men enter, and... Two men leave because that's how it works. (laughs) Actually, you get hilarious, real, and insightful conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. Join me, comedian Johnny W., and my pal, author, and speaker John Driver for Talk About That at lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.